0: Welcome to the Franchise Supplier Wire podcast, brought to you by FranchiseSupplierNetwork.com and distributed by Modern Business, where supplier experts share how to take your franchise to the next level.
1: Hey, welcome back. This is the Franchise Supplier Wire podcast, episode number three uh, for this Franchise Supplier track that we're humming with we're going to be bringing you episodes weekly on franchise supplier wire and our mission is to bring you top industry suppliers and vendor partners these are folks that are thought leaders in their space they're subject matter experts on all things technology and services for franchise organizations and a couple of top of the house items before we get into the episode be sure that you're following us over on linkedin you can search Franchise Supplier Network and the website, FranchiseSupplierNetwork.com. will have today's guest, uh, their profile lives there. You can request uh, a discovery call and request to connect with those guys or connect with those guys and, and learn a lot more about our guest today, who I will go ahead and jump in and just introduce um, the the only other top of house item as we're kind of closing out this year, and I mentioned last episode, I'm not quite sure how we're in December, but we're here and we're in 2023 planning and a lot of you guys are in 2023 planning. So we're trying to bring you timely, timely things that you should be thinking about. And today's guest is certainly one of those uh, because it's it's really about maximizing performance and how do you do that? You know, from at, at the frontline level, and we're going to get into some really neat uh, kind of science backed ways, and and we're gonna we're gonna unpack that a lot in today's episode. Um, but be sure that you are. So I, I was gonna go into some top of the house, and then I started talking about today's guest because I'm excited to bring them in. But make sure that you're registered for IFA uh, if you're attending the International Franchise Associations event early bird pricing goes through to the end of december but february 26th is coming up really quickly and uh we also have we already have the hotel registered uh, or booked up for the the young conference we're going to have 150 of the top uh the top next generation leaders in franchising out at young conference it's going to be in may in chicago and those dates i think we're going to officially announce uh, early next week, but we have we have all that locked in. So let's get straight into the episode. And what I'm going to do is actually pull up a quick bio, and then we're going to bring in today's guest. So, so our guest today is an entrepreneur and executive who spent over 20 years leading field operations, customer and customer experience for Fortune 100 and franchise brands across thousands of locations. He was the architect of customer sales and service processes that resulted in JD Power Awards for AT&T and T-Mobile. He was a franchise partner in the Massage Envy and European Wax Center systems and is currently a franchisee for Nuvenair in Florida. Matt and his partners founded Upfront in 2017 to help franchisors and franchisees optimize store performance using science-based tools instead of hope and luck. And I absolutely love that uh, because it's just very, the way that Matt communicates, but Matt works with top brands, PE groups, and high growth franchisees to maximize sales, service, and retention and profitability. So Matt, welcome to Modern Business Podcast, Mr. Matthew Robinson, founder of Upfront.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Good to be here, man. Appreciate you calling me Matthew too. Only my wife calls me that normally. <laughs> I did. I didn't even know that I did that. Um,
1: <laughs> but go ahead and let's just kind of start at the top and tell us about
0: upfront and
1: how it came to be.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I, I think if you if you listen to what every employer on Earth says, we all agree. That managing people is really hard. And when it comes to people and performance, the manager makes all the difference. I don't think you'll find anybody who says that's not true, especially in franchise. And and the great resignation and quiet quitting are just new names for an old problem, which is that people quit managers, not companies. That's been around, that truism has been around for years. And the data backs it up. 70% of what employees do at work is based on the interactions that they have with their manager. So, So those moments have the single largest impact on the business, but nobody solves for it for that specific moment. So we started building behavioral tools for our own managers in our own franchise businesses to be more effective in those high leverage moments and the results we experienced were so profound we turned it into a company bless you and that company is up front so our goal is to make managing people and performance much easier than it has been in the past got it and i completely
1: resonate uh i resonate resonate with with what you said because people do quit managers and not necessarily companies and Especially in a franchise environment, it's it's kind of hard, it's kind of hard to get into the the topics that that your organization helps franchise organizations align around. And uh, oftentimes the the best that brands can do is sit in high level strategy meetings and and come up with different ideas that either don't get implemented or half implemented. And then ultimately, you have your your FBC, your business consultant, that also may not be equipped and armed to be able to help drive the frontline performance that you're talking about. So what makes the franchise environment unique when it comes to people? So I think you have a philosophy on this.
0: Yeah. I mean, if if you think about the franchise world specifically, anywhere there's frontline employees, you've got the last mile of your entire brand experience delivered by a 20-year-old potentially hungover totally disinterested kid and so your customer experience kind of lives and dies with those individuals and and those people are are usually managed by a 24 year old manager who's relatively you know brand new to management they've got keys they've got codes have zero training zero tools for managing human behavior that is a complex thing that takes years of experience to develop. And so it really what it does is it puts franchisees and franchisors in a position to be hugely reliant on what you mentioned at the top of this, which is hope and luck. And that is not a strategy.
1: Yeah, so if you were to look at some of the most common things that you've seen franchisees struggle with when it comes to trying to improve performance, What would those things be? And then I'll have a follow up to kind of dig in. I want to talk about this from a couple of different
0: angles. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I I would say that the most common things I've seen are the same things that I struggled with, because the old tricks that we would go, you know, pull out of the bag in the past, they don't work anymore. Um, You know, the first thing that we do as franchisees when we're trying to drive performance is we overwhelm our managers with a bunch of backward-looking metrics. All right, so more dashboards. We slice and dice all these numbers in 50 different ways because we think that, that data is the problem. And, and so what that really does is just create the old game of kind of metrics KPI whack-a-mole where the manager's just trying to solve for every metric that they have, and that's an impossible feat. So So the next lever we pull is like sugar-high contests and incentives for employees. Right? We throw money um, and short-term solutions at, at, at what isn't really even the problem because it presupposes that the employees are the performance problem. Um, and then we will send employees to boot camps, give them more training when skill isn't really even the issue. And, and then there's the one of my favorites. We, we pour investment into culture initiatives. And you know culture is a, a, a really abstract concept. And a lot of people get lost in culture. Yes, culture is important, but but we really believe that culture is an outcome. Culture is a result of all of the things that your people do inside your company. And so, you know, the the initiatives trying to rally an entire organization around a culture initiative, um, you know, I can, anytime you want to learn how to light $25,000 on fire, I can tell you about a picnic story that we did. Um, it, it really... It it can't be a single thing. You know, there's no such thing. And and all the while we're doing all this stuff, managers keep putting off performance conversations with underperformers because they're afraid that people are going to quit. They just they just shy away from it. So we started thinking, you know, can we solve underperformance by focusing on making managers smarter and more effective? What impact would that have on our business?
1: Yeah. And so, what are the key ingredients for? performance and i think you frame it in the word in the term of of peak performance but what are those ingredients and i just kind of want to peel back the onion on on how you go about uh, addressing this but i know that you've done a ton of research what are those key
0: ingredients for peak performance yeah that's a great question so so there really are two main things that uh every single peak performing team has in common the first is that they follow proven processes. Uh, and, and what's interesting is that in franchise, about two thirds of employees say they do not know exactly how to hit their numbers. Yeah. So why is that? It's because they don't have complete clarity on the behaviors for every single KPI that they're expected to hit. The, the processes aren't clear and and it, it's exacerbated by unproven, you know, I'll use air quotes here. Best practices uh-huh. you hear about as franchisees all the time, right? Um, and and what best practices do is actually create change and move people further away from proven processes. You know, next time you go to a conference, one of my favorite things to do when I'm at conferences, they always wheel out a panel, right? There's like three franchisees up on the stage, and they're there to talk about what makes them successful and they'll they'll start sharing these best practices and my favorite question to ask is how long have you been doing that and invariably you'll hear their answer well we just started this month that's not a that's not a proven practice or a process it's an idea you're still vetting it so proven processes is absolutely ingredient number 1 and the second one is prepared people so and by prepared i mean Employees who get effective coaching on those proven processes, those behaviors using a structured framework, managers aren't just winging it. Employees actually want feedback. If you look at the data, employees want balanced and consistent feedback. But balance is the key because four out of five employees will quit if the feedback they get from their manager leaves them feeling uh, demotivated or unvalued. So it's it goes back to that same thing we talked about at the beginning. Those moments matter a lot. If you're going to over-index on anything, you've got to over-index on those moments. Think about what sports uh, sports coaches do, right? So they're focused on behaviors and habits, not KPIs. They don't call the team into the office after the the team lost the game and sit there and you try to use a spreadsheet trying to figure out why they lost the game. They don't do that. Mm -hmm. If men consistently focus on the process, any person can perform well.
1: That's a very, very powerful and true analogy. I played, I played baseball for a decade and a half. I, I'm probably aged a lot because of that. Uh, I played college ball for a year and a half, and uh, yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't figure out a way to go win the conference championship by looking at spreadsheets necessarily. Data plays a role, right? Especially in today's world, but it's, it's behavioral, and so. Whenever you have those proven processes and emphasis on the word proven, and you have those prepared people, talk about kind of that result of what that looks like. And then I've got a couple of places I want to take it after that.
0: Sure. So, I mean, the the first thing that happens when you have those ingredients in place is you can rapidly solve underperformance and turnover. I mean, it's dramatic, the effect that it has on the business. Um you know, one of the things that I like to talk about as a result of this is you don't need to hire or hunt for rock stars anymore. Every franchisee and franchisor talks about we need to go out and hire, you know, all these A players that are like these best performers we have. And the reality is, if you going back to the sports analogy, you know, you put 53 people on a football team. How many of them are absolute rock stars? Most of them are not. They're mm-hmm. good, but they're not extraordinary. And, and if, if the mission is to hire a bunch of extraordinary people to do hourly frontline work, we're setting ourselves up for failure. If, if you have uh, prepared people following those processes, you don't need to hire a bunch of rock stars. And the other thing that's cool is that accountability becomes really easy because you're now managing people uh, on the basis of their choices, their actions and choices, which are objective versus subjective things. And for franchisors, it's nirvana because unit level teams finally get on process. Think about how much time and energy franchisors spend just trying to get people to follow the system. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, obviously the, fran- the, the brand experience takes off.
1: One of the things that I thought of when you were just sharing that is uh, at at Springboard this year, and I, I know that you are stuck in a hurricane and couldn't make it out and wanted to make it out. But David Barr gave a keynote and he talked about optimizing for the average. He said a solid franchise system. You're not supposed to plug in the rock stars to the system. You're supposed to be able to plug in the average. And that's where where a lot of the value is created in this big system that's gaining momentum. It's because you can plug average people and do a solid system. And, uh, and I think that really aligns with kind of what you were saying. So we've, we're kind of talking about these ideas that I believe the audience will resonate with. And people are probably wondering, well, how do, what, what is, what is it? Like, how do, how do we, how do we uh, take advantage of, for example, what upfront can bring me? Um, but Let's look at kind of the franchisor level because you do have franchisor relationships. You can work with multi-unit franchisees, for example, um, but you typically, from my understanding, kind of work with the franchisor and um, particular regions in a system. So what does it look like uh, whenever you start working with a franchisor? What is your process?
0: So the first thing we do with franchisors is we start with a gap analysis to really uncover the root cause of underperformance and turnover in the system. Uh, and, And what we kind of pick at there is field level clarity. Where are the execution gaps coming from? Do the field teams clearly understand every customer experience moment that matters the most? Because there are probably four or five customer experience moments that are absolutely critical. The brand experience—they have to go right, and so we make sure that there's there's clarity uh, and and we understand the execution gaps around each of those moments and around each of the KPIs that the franchiseor tracks. And then we distill the process, if you will, the behaviors that are absolutely necessary to produce outsized results into a single one-page behavioral blueprint for managers. And so that helps the or really get the entire system. Uh, calibrated on exactly what's expected.
1: So I want to I want to talk through what that behavioral blueprint looks like. Um, but so so that was the process. Whenever you're engaging at the franchisor level and you're you're learning and you're going through your process, you're identifying what I think you called field level clarity. And then when you engage with the franchisees, what does that look like?
0: Yeah, so now we've got in our hands from the franchisor this one-page behavioral blueprint. We then take that to the franchisees and we assess their manager's readiness to do that stuff that's on that behavioral blueprint. How ready are they? Because there's so many different variables that go into, is this manager is your management team ready in order to drive execution? and then we equip those managers with behavioral tools we've developed that that specifically optimize team performance and those things include conversation guides so that they can actually have effective performance conversations exactly what to say right so think about it we we give the employees exactly what to say to the customer but we don't give the manager exactly what to say to the employee mm. so we that problem and we also provide them with a coaching system For optimizing behavior so they don't have to be in their job for 10 years before they figure this stuff out the hard way can you share what
1: what that like that gave some solid clarity and i think it resonated with me it's like you get you you give this training and almost scripting on this customer interaction but is it for example you have a an employee that is struggling in a particular area, maybe their numbers are off. Uh, can you give us a couple of examples of of how you facilitate that in terms of helping and coaching that manager to be able to better, I guess, communicate with employees and and really just handle the human element? What are a couple examples of that?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Happy to provide. So so the first thing we try to break, the first habit we try to break for managers is how they do it today is they get a bunch of metrics. They look at those metrics. They have no idea what actually happened. They have a decent idea sometimes, but right, they don't know exactly what happened, why those numbers are like. So they bring the employee in. And the conversation goes something like this. What do you think went wrong? Why do you think you missed your goal? And then the next 20 minutes they spend in a a completely speculative conversation about what may or may not have been going on with that employee weeks before, which culminated in those numbers, right? So we change that entire conversation and reorient the manager towards observing what the employee is doing now. Since the processes and the behaviors have all been clarified, now the manager simply needs to go out like a real sports coach and stand where the game's being played and watch what's happening. So they can give the employee real-time feedback on what they just observed, objective, factual, immediate, balanced, because they'll see people doing things right all the time. Right? You want to catch your employees doing something right and say, that right there, that was exactly right. Please keep doing that. Thank you. That's how you reinforce good behavior. And when you see something that they're not doing correctly, you can fix it fast before it affects the outcome. So just that change in perspective from looking backwards at KPIs to looking forward at behaviors completely changes the conversation with the employee. And then if we have a corrective situation where the employee continues to choose not to follow the process, that's an entirely different conversation. They're making a choice, right? So we can then address those choices.
1: Yeah. And then also help in the help in doing so and how to address that, which I think is important. And so whenever you're engaging with the franchisees, I'm like picturing in my mind's eye this first huddle with the manager or managers, and I imagine that they would have maybe some pushback or some objections. What are some of those common myths, objections, pushback, or anything as such that you hear from franchisees?
0: Well, I suspect they are the same myths and pushback that the franchisors hear from their franchise systems. And and the first one, the most common is like, you know, we already do this. Our managers are already good at coaching. Um, Our people know what's expected. Um, This seems um, overly simplistic to them. And they give themselves credit for uh, doing something that they actually are not doing. So that's the first and foremost. Um, We'll hear franchisees uh, wrongly decide to purchase leadership training, like the generic, uh, leadership training that exists out there. Uh, and, and that stuff, I mean, we all know that, you know, you only retain about 10% of the stuff that you learn in the classroom.
1: Uh
0: it, It just doesn't stick. And, and one of the other fan favorites I would say is, um, you know, we don't have time right now. We'll do it next quarter. And, and our argument to that is, you know, if 70 percent of what your employees are doing right now at work is based on the interactions they're having with their manager, what on earth is more important to solve?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that comes to my mind is oftentimes a response to, for example, if you're looking at maybe we should back up and talk about some of the types of clients that you work with, because I'm imagining I'm imagining uh, you know, roles in which you've organizations that you've previously built from as a franchisee, large multi-unit operations. And so at Massage Envy, for example, a lot of that is coaching, coaching the folks at the front desk on how to how to convert, how to get that conversion metric up to, to take a person that came in to get a massage and have them convert into a member. And so you're you're equipping and arming and assisting in that. But what types of clients uh, do you guys work with?
0: Well I mean ideally we work with any client where there's a, a large customer facing field organization that has processes that they're required to follow, which that's kind of why franchise is our sweet spot because franchise the you know the entire brand is built around these customer experience moments and processes that bring the brand to life And all we need is for the employee to execute that and that's what breaks. So so that's kind of where we slot in is is to make sure that we can help managers work with those employees to to bring those processes to life.
1: Yeah. And then one of the other things that I think about is as folks are looking back at the KPIs, the common strategy is to say, okay, let's get smarter with our marketing budget. And we're going to put these dollars into what I call a leaky bucket. Because if you solve for If you solve for the front line and these behavioral, these behavioral kind of root level things, then ultimately your marketing is more effective because you have better customer experiences and the trickle effect is absolutely real. And I'm convinced that's a lot of the way I've seen the numbers and I've I've seen your case studies and I've talked to clients that work with you. And we're talking about mass, like very impressive from sales to recruitment to retention like like massive massive spikes that that I've seen and and so maybe speak to that because the the common solution is looking back as you mentioned at those KPIs and saying let's get smarter about this budget and so maybe just speak to that add some color or some experience to that topic
0: yeah Ryan you're absolutely right to to draw attention to marketing Because when, when franchise execution, frontline execution is poor and numbers are bad, the, the first assumption that's made is we need to put more uh, money into marketing, right? The last thing though, you want to do when your frontline team is off process is to send more customers their way. You're just lighting that money on fire. You know what I mean? So, and it starts kind of a vicious cycle because if, if you've got customers having a bad experience, then that's what becomes your online reputation Mm -hmm. and fighting against low Yelp reviews and and low Google ratings. and, And it never really stops. And so until you solve this particular dilemma, this frontline execution dilemma, your marketing dollars are never going to go very far. But as soon as you do, brand compliance increases dramatically. And when brand compliance increases, then you see performance go up, Like you mentioned, we have customers that report 50 plus percent improvement in conversion rates and sales. Fantastic. Um, We see consistently that employee turnover drops 50 to 75 percent. And here's what's important about that. That there's a number that a study that's been done by um, Cornell University. I think it was. And and they tried to put an actual dollar value on the cost of frontline employee turnover. And it's it's nearly six thousand dollars per person. Right, and and yet in in franchise specifically, if you look at the annualized turnover rate for these big brands, it's over a hundred percent. So that means that entire teams are turning over every year, and all of that institutional knowledge that they have built up is walking out the door with them. Right, so so as soon as you solve that. It you know the, the the cost of turnover is distributed throughout a and L. If it were a single line item on a and L, every single franchisee would obsess over it. But it's not; it's diffuse. So if you solve for that, all of a sudden everything starts to work better. Right now, it's a virtuous cycle because people stay longer, they perform better, your customer experience gets better, and the entire thing tends to work. And the other benefit we see is that you need. You need fewer regional managers and business coaches and all these people that we have to put out in the field for the sole purpose of, of driving execution. right? If if we've got people on the front line who are, are equipped and managers who are equipped with the tools to drive execution, then you don't need all this mid-level overhead that burdens franchisors so significantly.
1: Yeah, zoom, zoom out and, and speak to folks in the audience that are listening to this and they're resonating with what you're saying and kind of wrap a bow. So I asked you about kind of the franchisor, you know, how do you, what's your process to engage with franchisors? And ultimately it's to get to that one page blueprint, right? Yep. And then we talked about the engagement with the franchisees and we we went through these really important things. So talk about what what exactly is it? How are how are you delivering this? And what is the what is the what is the program? How are you driving this behavior? Is it? And what is are you communicating on Zoom calls? It's and so it's it's kind of interesting because it's almost like putting a virtual a virtual performance coach into the you know, at the franchisee level and, and but it's 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 just dialed in because you're 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 really peeling back your understanding you're also bringing your experience as a very very successful operator but what does what does it look like how does rubber meet the road how are you able to help the franchisees drive the performance enhancements that the, that we're talking about
0: yeah, so Ryan, the term you used, uh, "performance coach," is actually a, a virtual performance coach. Really good term. I uh, hadn't thought about that. We might steal that. Uh, but we do it on a short-term basis because our main mission here is to transfer the skill set that's necessary to be able to operate under your own power. We don't want to, to to charge customers for long-term engagements and make them dependent on us. We want them to be self-sufficient in solving permanently the problem of manager and employee interactions going poorly. And so that's that's our, our, our intervention is pretty quick, right? We come in and we we help clarify what needs to be clarified and then we help implement these practices with at the manager level. and then as soon as they're locked these habits are locked in, we exit so that they can continue this going forward. But the, the I think the big objective for us is to make sure that we show material improvements in performance within six weeks of the engagement. So we we really want this to happen quickly and with minimal time investment and uh minimal change management because that's very disruptive for organizations. So we we do it with a very light touch.
1: Love it. What is one big and unique I call it a value bomb. And I'll say that I stole that I stole that phrase from a guy named Bryce Henson. He's the he's the uh, CEO of 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 uh, Fit Body Fitbody Bootcamp, actually, but he's he's become a, a friend of mine. And it's a question that he asked on his podcast. But what's one big unique value bomb, something that franchisors should know as it relates to this area of expertise, frontline performance?
0: Yeah, so so that's a good question. Franchisors do a great job of providing their franchisees with a model, a proven, validated model. But franchisors cannot provide their franchisees with a model for people. And so we know for a fact that franchisees most, not all, most suck at managing people. And, and so that gap is what we bridge. We bring the people system that the franchisor can't provide so that the franchisee can execute the model.
1: Very well said. Um, you do not speak to numbers. You don't have to speak to numbers. But from an engagement standpoint, what does the engagement from a... You know, from a from an economic perspective, look like structurally is it is it a monthly fee? Is it a one time fee? Uh, just talk about that, just so there's some context. And I know I would urge the folks in the audience that are interested to learn more because these numbers that you talked about, I think we kind of glossed over those. I didn't even ask follow on questions. <laughs> you talked about the sales numbers, the retention numbers. That would literally take a massively unprofitable location and turn into a very profitable location that's probably etching up to the top quartile of performance in a lot of systems. like these are no small things that you're that you're saying. and I have personally seen this and I've personally heard this feedback where and, and your your kind of almost you know value delivery promise is that in six weeks we will bring performance enhancements that you will see in six weeks and i know that you guys stand by that and these are very very real real things but from an engagement perspective what does that what does that look like how, how does your engagement structured
0: yeah so the pricing is is based on a number of factors but there is a there's an initial cost to the engagement because we do a lot of uh, one of our clients described it as an 18 month consulting engagement in a week um we like that you know, we, we really come in and try to work very quickly on uh, getting that clarity established. And so there's a there's some time that we spend in there and a lot of resources that we deploy. Um, and and then there's a monthly engagement for franchisees for us to be that performance coach for them, uh, but not in perpetuity. It's it's only until they're ready to fly into their own power. And And then there's just a technology fee that is kind of a long tail monthly cost, but it's very affordable for franchisees to keep this system in place.
1: Yeah. And I know that that is tied into some of these reinforcement items. Like for example, being able to celebrate job well done at the right moment in time and being able to address the challenges also in real time, there, there has to be a process and a mechanism by which to do that. And, and, I have the awareness that that's, that's what you guys bring. And one of the, one of the several things that you guys bring Um, let's go ahead and move to close. I want to be respectful of the the audience's time. And so let's do a quick lightning round. I want to ask you a few questions and you can uh, spit back some answers and then we'll move to close and we'll make sure folks know how to get in contact with you. So what if, if, I were to ask you, which I'm going to ask you, what, what is one thing that you're most
0: passionate about today? It's it's definitely helping the franchise community excel at people. It has long been accepted that uh, franchise businesses don't have the best people and don't have the best experiences. and And I think we can change that narrative. I love it.
1: What is so? Share one of your personal habits that you think contributes to your success. You're a very successful individual, and and as a franchisee, and now as a, a supplier that's helping fellow franchisees and fellow brands. But what is one habit that contributes to your success?
0: Well, I share this with the with a few franchise executives that I have coaching sessions with personally. Uh, I, I challenge them to change their relationship with email because email is kind of a black hole where time and energy go to die. It's brutal, and if I mean, there was a study that was done a while back that showed that you know eighty emails, eighty emails in an inbox takes eight hours to effectively triage if you're getting important emails. And so, so if you're spending your entire day on email, then when are you thinking? When are you working through the bigger problems that are outside of your inbox? And and there's a myth that exists in the world um, that, that is humans can multitask. No human can effectively multitask. Um, it, it is neurologically impossible. And, and so, you know, and and yet you'll you'll find people and companies like phrase that they they seek that out. You'll see it. Look at every job description for an executive must be great at multitasking. It's not possible. And so having your inbox open while you're trying to think and plan and and figure out the path to success. Every single time you get an email that pulls your attention away from that high value work, you're losing Large chunks of time and productivity and focus. So, the fewer emails you have, the the more likely you are to be able to control your time and control your work output.
1: I love it. I uh, this is something that I need to learn myself. <laughs> so, I resonate <laughs> with that. Um, what What is one? A couple more questions. What's one learning resource? It didn't have to be one, but uh, what learning resource would you recommend to our network, and why?
0: I get a lot of energy from listening to podcasts uh, because I can, I can, you know, you can speed it up, and and you hear stories that that inspire you when you need some extra inspiration. So, you know, my first million is a fabulous podcast. Um, I, I, just listening to founders that have, have done all kinds of different things and how many of them come from nothing uh, versus the Silicon Valley path. I think that's a great one. The Science of Success podcast, Matt Bodner, does a great job of laying out uh, you know practical things that you can do that's evidence based. Um, I also love Get Abstract. I, I I wish I could read business books, but I have stacks of them that I got through like the first three chapters. Get Abstract is a subscription that I have had for years, and it it gives you like four to five page summaries of key business books with the major takeaways so that you can kind of feel like you're reading these books and implement the practices without having to go through all 300 pages of narrative. So uh, those are those are probably my favorite ones.
1: I do. I, too, love Get Abstract, and uh, I'm a big book reader, um, but Get Abstract has been great and uh big, big fan of it. So last, last quick rapid fire question. What is the best advice that you have ever received?
0: Hmm. Um, well, I would say that, you know, I have a tendency to be a perfectionist and, and that really doesn't serve anybody well when you're trying to deal with people. Um, Cause it's an imperfect thing. A, a member of my family, uh, is works in the in the military and happens to work in the United States Navy Seals organization and shared with me that that in the office of the admiral of the Navy Seals an organization that's charged with like protecting the freedom of the planet there's a huge banner that says we love 80% solutions and i when i heard that i thought you know if 80% it's good enough for the United States Navy SEALs. It's probably okay for our business.
1: That's interesting. What does that mean though? 80% solutions.
0: It's an example. So it's, it's a great way of saying we. it's not going to be perfect. You can't expect it to be. Don't try to make it perfect. Just make it 80% and you'll be on your way to achieving the outcomes that you're looking for.
1: I love it. And that also helps with speed to execution and so many different things. So kind of want to just open the floor and have you give some parting words of advice to folks in the audience, whether it's franchisors or franchisees that are listening, parting words of advice uh, for the franchise community. What say you?
0: Well, my, one of my favorite quotes is the the culture of any organization is shaped by the worst behavior the leader is willing to tolerate. I can't think of a better way to say that you've got to focus your organization on behavior, not KPIs. If you don't solve manager effectiveness and focus them on behavior, nothing else you do is going to work very well. You're going to work really hard and it's not going to have nearly the same impact. This is the highest leverage thing you can do as a leader. And um, I guess if you're interested in working with us to to help with this stuff and supercharge performance, then you can check us out at, at uh, upfrontworks.com.
1: Beautiful. We will put that in the description. And uh, for the folks listening, thank you so much for taking the time today. You can find Upfront's profile on franchisesuppliernetwork.com if you want to schedule a call with Matt and his team. Uh, just go over there. There's a. You could also uh, submit questions if you have any specific questions after listening to this or watching this. If you're if you're watching, um, so Matt it's an absolute pleasure. We'll have you back at some point in the near future, and thank you so much.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you, man. Cheers.